So if you, you remember uh, last week, again, we finished with, uh, with chapter 11, which just a quick overview. Chapter 11 now, uh, from the first few chapters up until chapter 8, God was focusing on holy offerings. And now from chapters 8 and on, He's going to focus on a holy people. And so holy offerings, but also a holy people and the sanctifying of the people. And so chapter 11, God, God gave uh, the nation of Israel, and I say this specifically, it was for the nation of Israel, a list of pretty much a dietary list, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, and He gave them specific reasons. He gave them specific uh, specifics on the type of animal that they could eat. He says, all right, if there's an animal that has a, 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 a split uh, hoof, and he chooses a cut and he eats grass. He's all right, you can eat it, but if it's one and not the other, then you can't eat it. And so there's a lot of different uh, um, there's a lot of different explanations for this. One, for sure, we mentioned before, certain animals, uh, even to this day, we don't have certain diseases. I mean, man, back then they couldn't refrigerate certain, certain meats, so thought they had a uh, igloo cooler wherever they wanted, they could freeze their meat uh, when they when they would when they would uh, hunt it. So it, certain meats, uh, if you know, we know that they're left out. They, they gather certain bacteria. And, and that they're bad for you. And so God, more, more than anything in His wisdom, uh, He told them, all right, you guys could eat this list of foods, but stay away from these. Right? And more than anything, He would tell them, all right, this is specifically for you. Right? This, is to be, uh, this is to set you apart from the rest of the world. And we saw that what was, what was good for the rest of the world, for the children of Israel, was not good. Right? Because the Lord wanted, wanted them to be a people set apart for His glory. Now, again, this was written to... Uh, to, to the children of Israel There's no For us as, as Christians As New Testament Christians And I say this because There's even like uh, Little groups within The umbrella of Christianity That are Bible believing Christians That are You know Born again Christians That we're going to see in heaven But they'll put these trips On people saying Alright man You're not to eat this thing Look and They'll point you to an Old Testament law Saying look You're not supposed to eat This specific animal I'm reminded of the story There in the book of Acts When, when uh, uh, Peter was, was in the house Of Simon the Tanner And we're told that He had his dream Uh I believe it was three times he had this dream and in his dream we're told that he saw this large roll in this sheep and, 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 and it unrolled and there was all kinds of animals and unclean animals and he heard a voice saying arise Peter, Peter kill and eat and uh, he, he, he had this vision three times and three times Peter said not so Lord I'm a good uh, Jewish boy I've never eaten anything unclean and God would tell Peter hey Peter don't call anything unclean which I've cleansed right and so we see that for the New Testament believer there is no restrictions on, 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 on uh, certain foods that we should or shouldn't eat But everything is used with, with discretion, right? And so, chapter 12, now moving on uh, Chapter 12, the Lord gives the children of Israel These, uh, these specific, not laws, but more uh, practices uh, Specifically aimed towards uh, childbearing, right? Towards women uh, after they bear a child And so just to go through some of these verses then verse 1 in chapter 12 says Then the Lord spoke to Moses Saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised, and then uh, she shall continue in the blood of her purification for 33 days, right? and she is not supposed to touch anything holy. And then we're told that she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, so double the time. I'm not sure exactly why, but, but that's just what the word says. It says, as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. And so if, if there was a... Now, keep in mind that, I mean, it would have been so hard for a woman to have a child out there in the desert. And that's what it is. The, the wilderness, when we think about the, the children of Israel in the wilderness, we think of wilderness in kind of our terms, right? And we think 
long, uh, tall, green grass and, you know, the jungle and nice and greenery and rainforest type of, type of wilderness. But really what it is, it's a desert. It's a dry desert, right? And so imagine being a woman and, and having a child while they're out there traveling in the desert, right? There is no general hospital five minutes away. There is no doctors on site. There is no uh, nurses. I mean, man, this is just by the mercy of God. Right. And so there is no uh, sanitary practices. I mean, it, it, it would have been, man, something tough. And so God is giving them specific, uh, uh, not rules, but just, um, I guess, just practical things to follow to, in order to, to stay clean while, while, while they're out there. And then he says this in verse six. He says, then when the days of her purification are fulfilled, he says, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. To the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So we're told that, uh, again, as the woman would, 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 would have a child, right? Whether it was male or female. She would be herself considered unclean for a period of time. And then after that period of time was over, we're told that the Lord required for the woman to come and to bring a sin offering or an offering unto the Lord, right? For, for her uncleanness. And the sin offering was to be, again, uh, either a lamb of the first, of the first year or... Uh, a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. We're told later on down there in verse 8, he says, and if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so the lamb was was the traditional offering, right? Hey, if, once this is done, then you should bring a, a lamb as an offering. But not everybody had livestock, right? A lot of them were, were more impoverished than others, and they couldn't bring a lamb, right? Back then, a lamb is like saying, all right, man, I'm going to give a, a portion of my, of my paycheck this week. But a lot of them, again, they, they didn't have this. And so the Lord, the Lord also included a different type of offering that was meant for the more low-income housing, right? It was like the Section 8 offering, the low-income housing, the low-income type of uh, uh, offering. And so interesting enough that actually this is the, the, this is the offering that, that Mary brought, that Mary and Joseph brought when Jesus was born. If you remember there in Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there to Luke 2, 21. I'll read it for you guys real quick. Uh, we're told that, that after eight days, um, after Jesus was born, we're told that, that he was circumcised in the temple. And then we're told that, that, that Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple. And we're told this in Luke chapter 2. It says this. I'll read it for you. It says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, talking about Jesus, we're told his name was called Jesus. The name was given by, by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And now when the days of purification according to the law of Moses were completed, just what we read right now in the book of Leviticus. It says, They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every man who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And notice, to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, in the book of Leviticus, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so what does that tell us? That tells us that Mary and Joseph, hey man, they weren't rich. right? They weren't like, man, they, they, these well-off people. I mean, when Jesus, the Son of God, was born, he was born man, in a manger, right? They, they, they didn't have enough money to, to, to reserve a, 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 a room there at the end, right? It's like, man, imagine going to a general hospital, you're, you're, you're pregnant, and they say, ah, man, you know what, you, uh, for you, uh, you know, we don't have any rooms, but for you, you can have the custodian, the custodian room. We'll get a bunch of rags, throw them on the floor, and you can have your baby there. Man, that would have been the same with Jesus. And I think that's heavy because man, Jesus could have been born to any family in any state. Here is the Son of God leaving the glory of heaven with billions upon billions of angels worshiping Him 24-7. And yet He, was, he chose to be born like in the humblest form. Right? In the humblest form. And 
His earthly mother didn't even have a, a, a lamb to go and offer, but instead they offer the, the poor man's offering, which was turtle dust. You know, and that's heavy. And I think, I think, and I think that's beautiful. And so, interesting enough, again, the first option was to bring a lamb, right? But if you didn't have a lamb, you bring a turtle dove. And so here's Mary. She brings these, this, these turtle doves, right? These doves as an offering, but yet she was carrying the lamb of God into the temple. And that's heavy. And I don't think she even knew the fulfillment of this. Right? As she, as she brought the Lamb of God as a little baby into the temple. Man, Jesus was the fulfillment of this law in the book of Leviticus. Again, man, to the person that says, hey, that the Old Testament is irrelevant. To the person that says that you shouldn't even dig into the Old Testament, read through the Old Testament, study the Old Testament, teach the Old Testament, let alone. I would encourage you to read these through the book of Leviticus. I would encourage you to, to read through the, through the book of, well, through all the Old Testament books, all 39 books. And see, man, that it's all about Jesus, right? Second Corinthians, Second Timothy three sixteen says that all Scripture is inspired by God, is God breathed, and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for doctrine, for instruction, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, lacking nothing. And so we see again that Jesus is a fulfillment of these Old Testament laws. Again, too poor to bring a lamb. She brought the Lamb of God, and then chapter thirteen. We have now uh, an interesting couple of chapters, 13 and 14, which is God's going to cover now uh, these laws concerning leprosy. Uh, nowadays, it, they, they change the name now. Uh, it's called uh, Hansen, Hansen's disease. You can look it up if, I mean, unless you want to throw up, look it up. They have pictures on the internet and stuff like that of people who, who have Hansen's disease. Um, uh, I can't look at that stuff. Man. Certain textures get to me, but man, it, it's a real thing, right? They just change the name. Leprosy is the same thing as, uh, as Hansen's disease. Or Hansen's disease is the same thing as leprosy. So it's been around for a long time. And so notice what it says here in, in verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron, uh, he should be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. And notice, the priest shall examine the sore in his skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it's it's leprosy. It's a leprous sore. So then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. And so, man, again, just imagine how terrified a person would be. You're out there in the wilderness, uh, man. You're having a baby. There's no 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 hospital nearby. All of a sudden, man, you get this weird looking sore that's going into your skin uh, with the white hair and pus and nasty stuff coming out you're like oh man what do I do you're in the wilderness what do you do right there's no doctors on, on call right there's no uh, what's that internet one uh, WebMD that you can look up oh it's just a leopard no I mean they, they had to again they had to bring it to the Lord the Lord was they had to rely on the Lord for everything and so God is giving them specific instructions to detect these the, these, uh, these leprous uh, uh, sores right and so it goes on to say they're in uh, there in verse 4 it says, But if the bright spot is white on the, on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and the hair isn't white, then the priest shall just isolate or quarantine the one who has the sore for seven days and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if the sore appears to be as it was then and the sore has not spread on its skin, it says then he shall isolate him another seven days. It says then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed if, this, if it faded and, and it didn't spread on the skin, then he shall pronounce him clean, right? So we have this separation again as, as a people, as, as a person would have this sore that would appear to be leprosy. Again, if, if, they, would, if they were to burst out on these sores, we're told that, man, they would be uh, excommunicated from the community for a while. 
man, you know, let's say it spread to someone else. But more than that, the priest was in charge of examining the person, right? No, it's not a doctor, not even, but the priest. The priest was to go look at him and get close by. All right, I think it's leprosy, man. You better quarantine or you better get away from outside of the camp, right? So it was the priest's duty to go and examine the person. And not only that, but they would have to announce to everybody, unclean, they would shout, unclean, unclean, and everybody would know. Now imagine this, man. You're in a crowd of about, of about two million of, you know, your brothers, you know, your family. They're all uh, Israelites. All of a sudden, man, everyone gathers together and the word goes around, hey, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Man, you'd be singled out. Imagine how you would feel, right? And then you have to go separate from the people, from the ones you love, from your family, from your babies, from, you know, your siblings, from the people you love, from the temple. You can't go and, 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 and worship God because you're, you're unclean, right? So it would have been a devastating thing. I mean, man, I get sick, I get sick and I can't, can't come to church and, dude, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm like, man, I wish I could be there with you know, my brothers, my sisters. Now imagine being uh, excommunicated from your whole family, right? From, from the whole people, from the whole community. And so it goes on to say, it says, um, verse 7, And if the scab should spread, he says, and the priest sees it for cleansing, he says, it should be seen by the priest twice, right? And if, this, if the priest sees that, that, that uh, it's spread on the skin, then he should pronounce him unclean. So he goes on to say, I'm not going to read through, through all of you guys to read it on your personal time, I encourage you, but the Lord gives them different situations. If it spreads, but it's this color, then it's leopard. If, it's, if it doesn't spread, but if it's this color or if it's in this certain area, right? And the Lord gives them certain instructions, and he says, all right, as to how to detect it, whether it's leprosy, whether, you know, it's just maybe a, a, a skin infection, where they should quarantine, whether they should uh, treat it or whatever it may be. And, and as you go through, through this whole chapter, right, uh, again, he's just giving them all these different uh, instructions as to how to identify these sores and all this stuff. You may think, all right, well, what's, does that, what does that have to do with me? Okay. One thing, as, as I was going through this chapter, I noticed one thing, right? And my little heading, if you have a heading here in your Bible, it'll probably say the law concerning leprosy. And we read it and we think, all right, it's about the person with leprosy. But really, it's about the priest. You know, God is addressing the priest. 39 times I counted. I have a New King James Bible. And I counted 39 times just in this one chapter. In chapter 39, in chapter 13, I counted 39 times that God mentioned or used this phrase, uh, and the priest shall examine, or the priest shall isolate, or the priest shall pronounce, or the priest, or he shall be seen by the priest, or the priest shall uh, examine, or all these different things. But it, it's pointing to the priest. It's pointing to the priest. 39 times, you know, this phrase, the priest shall. So these are instructions for the priest, right? And what that tells us is that, is that God's intention for the priest, as this person would come up sore, one of their own, man, one of their brothers, probably from a different tribe, probably from the same tribe, but the same people group, but the people of God. When, when one of them would come up sick, it, it was the job of the priest. It was his duty to go over there and to tend to the person. Not to judge them, not to, you know, bash them, not to avoid them, but to minister to them, right? It was the priest had to go examine this person. The priest had to go pronounce them clean or unclean. The priest had to go, you know, after seven days, go and, and, and check up on them. The priest had to be, you know, just uh, keeping close tabs on them. Are you all right? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? How can I pray for you? This after the other, right? That was God's intention for the priest. Now, it changed so much in Jesus' time, right? In Jesus' time, 
uh, there's very, there's uh, different instances in where in where there was a, a, a leprous you know individuals, and we're told that by that time the priest had gotten so like arrogant, right, with just sin itself. That man, even if they were walking past somebody and the little tail of the rope touched a gentile or touched someone who was unclean or you know it's like man they would have to go home and bathe seven times and like oh my gosh i'm unclean right because they would touch a sinner and now the 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 the, the lepers they were they had like their own little leper colony and they were all excommunicated right and they were pretty much just like begging outside of the outside of the gates uh showing no mercy showing no compassion but yet jesus when jesus would walk around jesus wouldn't avoid these guys Turn with me there to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7. Actually, Luke chapter 5. And notice what it says there. This is just one instance of, of Jesus running into a leper. And it says this. 5 verse 12. It says, And it happened when Jesus was in a certain city, that behold... A man who was full of leprosy, not just a few little bumps and sores. No, man, this guy was from the top of his head to the bottom, the sole of his feet. This guy was covered in leprosy. That guy had it like bad. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I get grossed up. It's like, man, this guy was full of leprosy. And this guy saw Jesus. And we're told that he fell on his face and he implored him or he begged Jesus saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This guy was at the end of his rope. He had been shunned by the world, shunned by his family, shunned by the religious guys, shunned by everybody. Been left out to pretty much die, get away from us, right? Don't come near us. Whenever the, the rule was, whenever they would go, whenever there was a crowd of people, they had to yell from like a few yards away, I'm clean, I'm clean. Everyone would run like, oh my, here come the lepers. This was sad. But yeah, he sees Jesus and notice what it says, Luke writing, he says, behold, a man with a full, with, that was full of leprosy, man. And so Luke, being a doctor and writing this, the, the, the doctor of the Gospel of Luke, he would have known the severity of this. And so he says, behold, like, whoa, this guy was full of leprosy. And he came to Jesus and he fell on his face, begging him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And notice what Jesus did in verse 13. He says, then Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. Oh, no priest would ever dare do that. By that time, they wouldn't even come near these guys. Right? No compassion, no love, no mercy. But it says that Jesus put out his hand and he touched him, saying, I'm willing. The guy says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. He says, be cleansed. And immediately, the leprosy left him. And Jesus charged him. He told him, he told him hey, don't tell anyone. He says, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Here in the book of Leviticus, as we're going to read, and verse 15 says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. So the guy couldn't keep his mouth shut. He's like, man, I wouldn't either. I would have told everybody. So he, was man. So he told, he was talking on his way home. He told everybody. <laughs> he told <him laughs> Jesus said, all right, make sure you don't tell anybody. And the guy told everybody on his way home. But notice what it says. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It's not that Jesus was trying to avoid the rest of the sick people. But is that, hey man, there was so ministry to be, so much ministry to be done. And Jesus had already, you know, his agenda. And, and, and I mean, God is sovereign, right? Jesus is sovereign. But he says, all right, don't tell anybody. Obviously, Jesus knew he was going to tell everybody. 
But he told him. So Jesus is in like bashing him or anything. But man, how would you react? I would tell too. Right? How would you? I was the first thing I would have done. I would have shot it. I would have told everybody. And he didn't tell just to go black. But man, he was grateful. He was in love. He was astonished. Again, to no. Imagine, I mean, all of a sudden, man, you could go back to your family, you could see your kids, you could see your loved ones, you could go back into the community, you go back to the grocery store, Everybody you go back died. into the temple. Right, man, this guy was ecstatic, this guy was, was amazed, this guy was, was, was full of joy. But again, it was the, as God was writing to the priest here in chapter 13, back in, in the book of Leviticus, again, the priest shall examine, the priest shall pronounce, the priest shall, shall see, the, the priest shall, again, it was about the priest, right? And the priest was the one that was supposed to be the caregiver. And yet they had drifted so far, the heart of the priest had drifted so far that instead they just, oh, man, get away from me, man, you're unclean. And, and we see that so much today. I mean, we don't live in, you know, we don't use this, this, this uh, priesthood thing anymore, but, and even as believers, right? The Bible and Peter calls us a royal priesthood. We're like God's royal priesthood. Why? Because we have the blessing of interceding for other people, right? On their behalf to God. And that's literally what a priest is, is a intercessor, intermediate, right? Jesus is our great high priest. For all of us, man, we couldn't even see for someone else. And how many times, man, someone came to you and said, Hey, man, pray for me because this, that, the other. Oh, man, dude, this guy loves me. Oh, man, this girl all the time. Oh, man, why can't... Oh, man, no. You know, God is bringing these people into our lives, one, to form a heart of compassion into in us. Right? So we could, hey, like these priests, all right, be the caregivers. Right? Have the heart of Jesus. Instead, when no one wants anybody anything to do with this person, hey, man, Jesus went out, he extended his hand and he touched them. Right? When everyone would run away when he was like 100 feet away, oh, Jesus went up to him and right? there was other instances I think, where Jesus would even embrace these, 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 these leprous men. And again, that, that the, heart of, the heart of the Savior, man, the heart of the Lord, and that's the same heart that he's desiring to cultivate in us. In us. And God forbid, and you know, we ever get so puffed up in our, in our salvation that, oh man, I don't want nothing to do with the world, man, because die in their sins. No way, man, God saved us. We're like these lepers. Right? The world didn't want anything to do with us. Get away from me, man. Now all of a sudden we're now embracing to the family of God. And Jesus puts his hand on us and says, Hey, be cleansed. Let me give you new life. Let me wash you. Let me make you new. Right? And so it goes on to say, notice that last verse in that little section. It says uh, in verse 46, it says, And he shall be unclean all the days he has the source. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. And so for the person who had this leper store, these leper stores there in, uh, in, in, uh, in the book of Leviticus, we're told that man, he was alone, big time loner. He shall dwell alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp by himself. So you couldn't even be within the people, right? And, and I say this because uh, sin oftentimes in the Bible is kind of like, is, is used as an as, as, as a illustration of sin. Lepers, leprosy is used as an illustration of sin in our lives. Right, where a lot of the same symptoms uh, Medically speaking The person with, uh, with leprosy or with Hansen's disease It first starts with like a numbing A numbing of your, of your members Oh, say, man, I can't feel my toes, can't feel my hands Right, because it starts eating up your nerves And it starts eating up your flesh But you can't feel anything So, man, your, your fingers will start falling off Your toes will start falling off And your feet and your body will be all black and rotten But you can't feel anything You just become numb to it and the person had to be isolated, alone. And we see that, that that's what sin does in our lives as well. Right? The Bible says, what well, Jesus said, that it only, it only takes a little bit of leaven 
to leaven a whole lump. Right? It only takes a little bit. A little bit of yeast to leaven a whole a whole cake. So, man, you put a little bit of yeast in there, it'll inflate. And, and when we start using that, like, I, don't, I don't like using this word, but dabbling. You're using huh, just a little sin, just here, here, and there. Man, it starts taking control of our lives. You keep on doing it. And, and first you become convicted of it. Oh, man, I can't believe I did this every time you will repent. But the more you do it, man, you, you become numb to it. Next thing you know, it's like, it's like it's not, it doesn't even bother you. You can't even feel it no more. It's like if your whole foot fell off, you don't even feel it no more. You're just in that sin. And next thing you know, man, you want to be alone. You don't come to church no more. You don't want to be around believers. You don't want to reach out to anybody because man, you're in your sin. And you don't want to be around those people because you know that they're serving the Lord. Similar. Right? But I also see it as this. That just like these, these lepers were outside of the camp. Man, they could just probably hear all the joy, all the laughter, the worship, the sacrifices, and they're out in the camp. And they wanted to be inside, but they couldn't because of their condition. And there's a whole world out there to reach for the Lord, to reach for Jesus, a whole lost world that doesn't know Jesus. That they're like these lepers, man. They, man, they see the joy of the Christians. They see the peace of the Christians. They see, you know, this this awesome gift of salvation that we have. And they're like, man, how do I, how do I have that? Why, why is he different? Why is he like that? How can I be like that? And they want to be inside the camp. It's like, who's going to reach out to them? Right? It goes on to say in verse 47, now, uh, laws concerning leprous garments. And so, obviously, you know, the, the leper, he would uh, have his clothes on. And so, the, uh, as he would be infected with, with leprosy, his clothes would also have to be uh, either washed or burned. Notice what it says there in verse, in verse 51. It says, And the priest shall examine the plague on the seventh day, and if the plague has spread in the garment or in the clothes, either in the warp or in the wolf, it says, in the leather or anything made of leather, the plague is an active leprosy and it's unclean. And verse 52 says, And he shall therefore burn the garment in which the plague is, uh, whatever it may be. And verse 53, But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the garment or, or, or anywhere else, he says, Then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is a plague, and you shall isolate it another seven days. And so if the leprosy spreads, and the infection spreads to, to the clothes, you know, where now some little like mold or whatever starts growing on the clothes, the thing, it's a real thing. I, look, I had to look it up for this. And I, I said, pictures came up. I'm like, man, it's gross. But I, I wanted to, to teach the right thing. So it, it, it could actually affect your clothes. It starts, it starts going like a little mold on the clothes. And so the instruction to the priest was, all right, he's to inspect the garments now of the, of the leprous man. And if the clothes are, are, you know, are infected as well, then it's unclean. You got to burn it. But if, the, if, if it's not, and after seven days it starts going away, then he can wash it and he can use his clothes again. Right? It's a big thing. You may think, oh, whatever, man, go buy another pair of clothes. But they're in the wilderness. Right? They couldn't just go get another pair of clothes. It's not like they can go to Ross or, 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 or Walmart or whatever. Right? The Bible tells us that, that, that their clothes never wore out and that they never had to go buy shoes, but that the Lord, as they walked those 40 years through the wilderness, that the Lord, that the Lord caused their, their, their clothes to kind of grow with them and their shoes to grow with them. They never had to go and buy shoes. And so imagine your only pair of clothes, and you're like, man, I got to burn these things? I lost everything. My family, my friends, my, and I can go worship, and I don't have no clothes. I lost everything. I'm miserable in pain, right? It would have been a huge thing. And so it goes on to say, now just uh, jumping down to chapter 14. Notice it says, if you have a little heading now, it's the ritual for cleansing healed lepers. And, and even just that alone, like this whole little portion, uh, it wasn't up until like maybe a few years ago that 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 uh, that there's a that that they were able to 
find a mixture of, of antibiotics in order to, 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 to now heal leprosy, right? And, and leprosy or Hansen's disease, when they, when they catch it in time, like when it first begins to spread, it could be contained, it could be, and a person could be healed by, you know, by taking the right, um, with the right uh, uh, medication. But for the longest time, I mean, there was no, there was no cure for it, right? There, there did exist like leprous colonies, right? Where, man, someone got sick like that and they sent them over there for the longest time. But yet in the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament, 2,000 plus years, more than that actually, God is giving them laws or rituals for the cleansing of a leper who was healed. That's heavy. That's heavy. And so there in verse 1 it says in chapter 14, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and and clean birds, some cedar wood, scarlet, hyssop, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an, in an earthen vessel uh, over running water. Right? Let me just stop right there. And so again, just I love how the Lord is leaving the door open for a miracle. Because that's what it would take. A miracle from God for a leprous person to be healed miraculously. Right? And it's like God left that door open. Now, throughout the whole Old Testament, we don't have any account of any leper ever being healed until you get to the New Testament. Notice right there, uh, throw me to Luke chapter 7, if you will. Luke seven nineteen, And so, though through the whole Old Testament, even though God gave him a law for the cleansing of a leper, once a leper is cleansed and healed, right, he's supposed to bring a certain offerings, it never happened in the Old Testament. They never saw it in their day. Right. It wasn't until... Until Jesus, until God became man, right? And, and He came and healed the lepers. Notice there in chapter seven, verse nineteen of the book of Luke. There's this, there's this instance, right? Uh, John the Baptist had been baptizing. He had been, uh, he had gotten into some trouble for being the the radical that, that he was. He was put into jail, and while he was in jail, Jesus was already uh, involved in ministry, doing ministry, healing people. Word had spread about Jesus. And John the Baptist, while he was in jail, he sent two of his disciples to go speak to Jesus, saying, All right, hey, are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? John was about to die, right? And he had been preaching, make, make way for the coming of the Lord. Make, you know, make all the crooked paths straight, right? Wash yourself, cleanse yourself, repent for the coming of the Lord is at hand. All of a sudden, Jesus is here performing all kinds of miracles. And John's like, man, are you the one or not? Because I'm about to die. I'm about to die and I want to know. And so notice what it says there. And verse 19 says, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you he? And verse 21, In that very hour, Jesus cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen, and the things which you've heard, notice that the blind see, that the lame walk, and notice that the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And they went back and, and, they, and they gave word to John. What does that mean? Right? Again, God had made provision in the Old Testament for the cleansing of a leper. It had never happened in the Old Testament until God the Son came on the scene. And so interesting enough that in Isaiah 35, 
right? There's these uh, little, it's like a, a, a list of qualifications for the Messiah. So when Messiah comes, these things are going to happen. One of them, it, I don't think right there mentions leprosy, but it does mention the blind will see, the lame will walk, right? The deaf will hear. And so what Jesus was saying is that, look, man, this is being fulfilled right before your eyes. Right before your eyes. Go and tell John this. And John would have known immediately, right? John was, he knew the word. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. You would have known, right? It is him. It is him. But again, God made provisions for himself in the Old Testament for the cleansing of the lepers. And so, notice what it says uh, here in, in chapter 14, right? And so, as going back to chapter 14, as a, as a leper, as a leprous person was healed, this was the ritual for when a, a leprous person was healed. Right, we're told that when a leprous person was healed, we're told that the priest was to go outside of the camp, examine him. If indeed he had been healed, we're told that they were to take two living, so two clean birds, two birds which were, which were alive, they were clean, right? He was to take some cedar wood. It had to be cedar wood specifically. He had to take some scarlet. I don't know if it was a thread or if it was a, a, a whole garment, but it was scarlet and some hyssop. And we're told this, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel or a, a clay bowl. A clay bowl. That's what an earthen vessel is. A clay bowl. It says that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Meaning it couldn't, again, they didn't have this faucet or nothing. It had to be through a river or a stream. Something literally living water. Right? It says, when it says uh, running water, it, the, the literal translation is living water. Meaning it couldn't be a pond that was just sitting still. Couldn't be a puddle. It had to be this living water. Right? Something that was running with life. Right, uh, uh, something else flowing. It says he sh he's going to take one of the birds and kill it in a, in, a, in a clay bowl or an earthen vessel over running water. And as for the other bird, it says he shall take it, take the cedar wood, take the scarlet, and take the hyssop, and then dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed. Notice over the running water, and he shall sprinkle it seven times on the person who is to be cleansed from the leprosy. And shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose. So, all right, after he does all this, and the, and the bird that he didn't kill, he's gonna let it loose, let it fly away out in the open field. You may think, what's that all about? That's just weird. It is. It's weird. You can say it. But notice this. Again, as they were to do all these things, again, they all have their fulfillment in Jesus. And so here comes a leprous person. Look, I'm healed. Priest comes out. Yeah, you're right. You're healed. All right. Let's, let's do it. Let's grab two birds. Right. It had to be clean birds, meaning either turtle doves or, or, or a type of pigeon. Right? It couldn't be just any, any old bird. So he took these birds, one of them again, just to reiterate. He'll kill one of the birds over, over running water. And the blood of it, he'll put it in this bowl, this clay jar. And the, one, the bird that's alive, the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet, he would dip it in the blood of the bird that was killed. Right. And the bird that was still alive, he'll let it free. And, and that blood he would, he would sprinkle on the person who was healed. Now, this is amazing because, notice this. We know that Jesus, right, while he was on the cross, being crucified, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what type of wood the Romans used, but historically, they would either be olive wood or cedar wood. And I'm, man, my 100% bet is that it was cedar wood, right? Because that's a requirement of the Old Testament and Jesus' that fulfillment. But when Jesus was, was, was crucified on the cross, 
We're told that, that before when, when, when Pilate had him, they were beating him, they were presenting him before the people. We're told that the, that the Roman soldiers took a scarlet thread, a scarlet rope, and they put it on him. And they put that nail thorn, the, the crown of thorns on his head, and they said, oh, behold, look, the king of the Jews. But he was clothed in a scarlet rope. And we're told that while he was hanging on the cross, what do you say? I thirst. The Roman soldiers took a sponge, they filled it with hyssop, and they put it up to his mouth so they could drink. And then we're told that when he died, that one of the Roman soldiers pierced his side, and out of his side it came out water and blood. Medically symbolizing that he was dead. Water and blood. As he was buried, three days later, he ascended to the Father. Four days, four days later. But he ascended to the Father where he is right now. And so the leprous person, again, as they were to bring these offerings, right, again, they had their fulfillment in Christ. Christ was that dove who had to be killed. There was two doves, and both of them represent Christ. The one that had to be killed, and his blood needed to be shed. Now that blood, that blood that Jesus shed is sprinkled on us, not just sprinkled, but poured on us so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be made new, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have new life, so that we could have fellowship with the Father. Right? You could just imagine this other this other bride who was flying away, covered in blood, you'd just be just flying away and just the blood just dripping. As this bird was just flying away into the sky. Right? And as Jesus ascended to the Father, it's his blood. To this day, it's his blood that continues to wash us, to cleanse us, to make us new. Amen. So it says, again, in verse 7, it says, And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose out in the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water, that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp, and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day he shall shave all the hair off his head, his beard, his eyebrows, shave all his hair off, then he shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water and he shall be clean. What does that tell us? Knowing that this has its fulfillment in Christ, the blood of Christ isn't something to be taken lightly. Just like this leprous person as he was sprinkled by the blood of this bird, right, and went through this ritual cleansing, he didn't say, all right, cool, man, the blood's on me, all right, I'm going to go live the way I want. No. He was to be literally start all over. The shaving off of his head, all his, uh, of his hair, all his hair, his hair, his head, his eyebrows, everything. Shave off all the hair, right? And everything grow back new. And he said, hey, and he was to go home, and he was to wash himself and wash all his clothes, wash his garments, wash his life. That's what it's saying. And for us as well, right? As we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, hey, like Paul said in Romans, shall we continue in sins so that grace may abound? Uh, may abound? He says, no way. Grace is amazing. But the gospel also requires repentance. Repentance of our sins, a changing of our lives. The blood of Christ is something to be taken lightly. So his leper was to go home, start all over, shave everything off, wash his clothes, take a bath, new life. That's what it represented. It says on the eighth day, verse 10, he's going to take two male lambs without blemish. It says then uh, mix some flour in there and bring it as an offering. Right? In verse 11, And the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. 
It says, And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering, and then he shall kill the lamb in his place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering. And we're told that, that it was to be something holy. And verse 14 says, The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, meaning the leper, the leper's guy, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it on the palm of his own left hand. And then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand. And sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the Lord. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. Meaning the guy with the leprosy. And on the thumb of his right hand. And on the big toe of his right foot. On the blood of the trespass offering. Again, what does that mean? And we're told that the person that was cleansed was covered with the blood. And he was covered with the oil. Again, the oil being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the blood being symbolic, of course, of that blood of Christ. And so we're told that he, as he was cleansed, as he was washed, this person was forever to be identified by the blood. By the blood and by the oil. By the blood of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And that's what identifies us as believers. Not a church name, not a denomination. Right? I'm not a Christian because I go to Calvary Chapel. I'm not a Christian because I go to this church, that church. I did this or did No, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a born-again believer. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a child of God because I've been washed by the blood. Okay? And I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me. Right? The blood and that oil. The blood and the Holy Spirit. Right? So the life, the, the, the new life of this person was marked by blood. And it was marked by the anointing oil. Right? The Holy Spirit. And so the rest of those verses continue to, to kind of just expound on that. right, And just uh, give us different types of, of, of offerings that they were to bring. But jump down to verse 33 with me. And now it says, The law concerning leprous houses. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, meaning, all right, not now, but once you inherit the land that I'm giving you, it won't happen until 40 years later after this. Right? But it says, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, meaning it comes from the Lord. I meaning it was something that the Lord was kind of using to rebuke them or to test them or whatever. It says, and I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession or something that the Lord allowed. It says, verse 35, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest saying, it seems to be that there is some plague in the house. <laughs> it says, then the priest shall command, shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague. That all that is in the house may not may be may not be made unclean, and afterward the priest shall go into examine the house, and he shall examine the plague. And if in, and indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house, with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house, shut the door, uh, for seven days, and he'll come out come after seven days, take a look, and if the plague spreads on the walls, then it should be unclean. Right, so it's like this type of mold out that would spread inside the house. Notice what it says in verse forty. It says, "Then the priest shall command." If so, if, if this mold spreads, it says, "Then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague are, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside of the city, and he shall cause the house to be scraped inside, all around, and the dust that they should that they scrape off, they shall pour into an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones." And put them in the place of those stones. And you shall take other mortar and plaster the house. So what they're doing is they're cleaning the house. Right? This leprosy not only affected their lives, but it would affect their houses. 
And sometimes as believers, man, when we come to the Lord, there's certain things that we just got to clean house. When I came to the Lord, I didn't know anything about anything, right? But uh, I realized, man, there's certain things I have in my home that I got to get rid of. There's certain things in my life that they're just not fitting to my new life anymore. They got nothing to do with my new life. I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the former things have passed away and all is made new. And so all, if all is made new, God changes our desires. He changes our hearts. He changes our minds. Right? He transforms our minds. He gives us new desires. Desires after Him, after His Word, after His presence. And there's certain things that we carry in from our old life that just are not fitting with our new life. They're just baggage. Right? They're not necessarily sinful. They can be simple, but most sometimes they're not even simple things. But they're just extra baggage that I'm carrying into my new life. And that just make it harder for me to walk with the Lord. Imagine, you know, man, you're on this 100-mile journey. And you got all these things, right? You're walking, you're walking after. You realize, man, some of this stuff I don't even need. Boom, you start just casting stuff off to the side. I don't need this, I don't need this. This is holding me back. This is weighing me down. This is too heavy. I don't know why I brought this in the first place. Right? And you keep just what's profitable for you in your walk. And what God is instructing them is, hey, clean house. Clean house. There's certain things in your home, he's telling them, that, that are spreading. Spreading to your home and, and it's not good. Right? It's unclean. And get rid of that stuff. Some of the things I, I this is me. This is my conviction. Some of the things I got rid of when I got saved and I realized, like, man, you know what? This is, this is me anymore. Certain books, certain movies that glorify, like, the demonic or you know like stuff like that like a lot of gory horror films that they kind of glorified like uh, uh satanism and stuff like that I had a lot of rob zombie movies and stuff and i just i just it didn't resonate with me anymore right certain uh some some of the things were a lot of stuff like illegal you know <laughs> i got a i'll say it sorry guys you know like i had a like a we had grew, i had a gun that I had for a long time that was, I don't know what, I don't, honestly, I don't know what was on that thing because it would have been passed around and ended up at, with me and, I, and I'm the one that kept it. And I'm like, man, you know what? I got to get rid of this thing. Like, I got to get rid of a lot of things. Like, man, I don't need it. Right? I mean, a lot of things that just were from my old life. I'm like, man, this is just extra baggage. This is not helping me in my walk with the Lord. And really, that's the key. Right? It's not about, is this okay for me to have? Is it not okay for me to have? Is this sin? Is it not sin? The bottom line is, is it helping you get closer to Jesus? And if it's not, dump it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And only keep what's helping you grow closer to the Lord. Enough for that. And so it goes on to say in verse 43, Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house, and after he has plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread in the house, it is in active leprosy in the house. And notice that it is unclean. And just when it gets to the point of, you know what? You can't even salvage it anymore. He says, verse 45, And he shall break down the house. With its stones, its timbers. Sometimes you gotta just clean slate. Start all over. Start all over. Right? And finishing off, going to verse 49 says, And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And it's gonna give us now that same uh, routine for the, the cleansing of a, of, of a leprous person, right? It was leprous again, the two birds with the cedar wood, the hyssop. Um, and, and the scarlet thread and they were dipping in the blood and, and sprinkling now and on the person but on the house right on the house and again same as as for the leper meaning man it's got to be sanctified right Joshua later on in the book of of Joshua when the children of Israel finally went into 
and to inherit the land that God had given him, the, some of the tribes, two of the tribes uh, end up getting, you know, they, they, they like it on this side of the river. They, they, they like staying on this side, on this side of the promised land. They never fully inherit everything that God has for them. And then the, the, the tribes start to kind of divide among themselves. There were supposed to be, you know, 12 tribes united, separated unto the Lord. But some of them started going their own way, started worshiping false idols, all these things. And, and Joshua had us to just kind of put his foot down and address the whole nation of Israel as Joshua is now the new leader after Moses passes away. And he says, look, man, you guys do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? And, and, and really, that's what this is telling us. That, man, our house has to be sanctified unto God. Right? I'm not a Christian when I'm here at church and something else when I'm at home. No, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian at all times. Right? Everything I do is, is sanctified unto the Lord. It's holy. Not in a like, oh, religious type of way. But I mean, man, everything I have is holy. It's set apart for God. My car, that's God's car, Lord. Whatever you want to use it for. You want to use it to bring me to church? You want me to use it? You want to use it so I can go out there and do outreach? You want to use it so I can give people rides? You want to use it so I can bless someone? Lord, it's yours. You do whatever you want with it. It's holy unto you. My house, Lord, it's yours. My job, Lord, it's yours. Whatever I have, Lord, it's yours. Right? Sanctified unto the Lord. Holy. Right? It's dedicated to God. And notice verse 54. We'll end with this. It says, This is the law for any leprous source and skill. For the leprosy of a garment, of a house, for a swelling, a scab, a bright spot, <laughs> to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Amen? Good way to end. Father, thank you so much Lord, for your word, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that Lord, you would just bless my brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord. Bless those who couldn't make it, Lord. You know everything that's going on in everyone's lives, Lord. Be with Mark, Lord. Heal his, his bones, Lord. Heal his knees, Father God. Give him brand new knees, Lord, overnight. Lord, I pray you would give him strength, Father God. And for those of us who are going through it as well, Lord. Lord, may you just be with us, Father. Mm-hmm. Pray for Angel also, Lord, and, and, uh, and just her, her whatever it is that she's going through, Lord, or, uh, her symptoms, Lord, may you just bring a miraculous healing Lord, for all of us. <coughs> we just bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.